How's everybody doing? Good. Listen, I want to take just a moment of personal privilege before we jump into our message today uh, to talk a little about what took place at our church this past week. We had an amazing event called Student Staycation. We had over 100 middle school and high school students here at the church all week long, Monday through Wednesday, and uh, we saw God do amazing things. Um, 35 of our students made first-time commitments to Jesus, which was amazing, and definitely worth celebrating. But... I also just want to take a second and thank all the people who helped make events like that happen. Um, I don't get a chance often to be able to stand on stage and be able to praise a lot of people who have put in a lot of time and a lot of effort, but there were some young adults from this church who poured into these students and made a huge impact and a huge difference in their life, so I thank them for that. Um, Thomas Sawyer, one of our worship leaders, did an amazing job putting together an awesome team and just did a great job. My boy Kenny Laramore drove the bus and kept it real all week long, so I just I can't thank um, everybody enough for um, God's amazing work in the lives of students that only took place because you guys made an effort to make it happen. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, so little little disclaimer I wanted to say really quick before we jump in. Let's go ahead and pray and we'll jump into our message this morning. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this opportunity that you've given us to gather. We're grateful, God, for the, the work that you're doing in our lives, God. And I pray for every person here this morning. Maybe some of us, God, we feel like we're right in our wheelhouse. God, we are, we are living our life in connection with you and just seeing you work in amazing ways. But God, I know there are many probably in the room this morning, and, and oftentimes it's me, God, who feel like we're far from you. And we feel like, God, we want to experience your loving kindness in our life again, Father. And so I pray you would speak to our hearts today. God, help us to see from this book of Ruth. Um, some of the ways that Naomi and Ruth teach us, God, to be able to experience the, the love of God, the grace of God, and the mercy of God. Lord, we love you today. We're so grateful for you. And this morning, we need you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Have you ever experienced something that was like new to you, but for some reason, everybody else in the world seemed to know about it besides you? Anybody? Like there's this thing that you stumble across, you're like, this is so amazing. And you go tell your friend, they're like, yeah, I've known about that forever. Like this has just started happening to me um, like a lot lately and I've been noticing it quite a bit. And so at the risk of ridicule, which I'm sure I'll get later on because I got after the first service, there are a couple things that I've stumbled upon that I think are amazing and you probably know about. Uh, the first one is this. Um, I don't know if you know about this place. There's a place called TJ Maxx. Anybody? Thank you. Um, yeah, this is a place that I've avoided my entire life. So I remember being a kid, my mom would go to TJ Maxx, and I would go with her. My mom is terrible. I would just, like, like suffer through. My wife, I got married, and sure enough, TJ Maxx is a part of her life as well. And so I've avoided it since then. But I'm going to lie to you. A couple months ago, I went in that place. It is a wonderland of crazy and weird things for a very reasonable cost. And so I walked in, and, and I'm hooked. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, if, if you're looking for a Bluetooth speaker that you can use in the shower, I know a good place. If you're looking for a really weird water bottle that no one else has, I know a good place. If you're looking for, like, gluten-free, environmentally friendly with salt from, like, the Dead Sea popcorn, I know a good place. And all of these weird things, like, conglomerate into one building. And you can go there, and you can spend not much money and come out with a bunch of crazy stuff. Now... I'm ashamed to say this a little bit, but not really. I've gone there a lot lately. And I walk in with my boys, and I'm not ashamed, because TJ Maxx is, is a treasure that I did not know about. Now, again, everybody in the room is probably like, Trevor, I've known about it for a long time. I didn't, okay? And it's amazing to me. 
the second thing that I've stumbled upon recently um, is something that is a wonderful dessert that I didn't know about. And again, you probably know about this, but just just hear me out. It, it's something called um, rolled ice cream. Have you ever seen this before? We got one in town now. Like in Thailand, this is the dessert of choice. They got it going on. So I went and checked this place out. There's this like super cool disc. They put liquid on whatever toppings you want. You can choose. They chop it all up and they, they spread it all out with something that's normally used for putting mud on a wall at your house. And then they scrape it into these little rolls and they put it in a dish and it is delicious. And they hand it to you and you enjoy it. Now, I did not know about this, and so I have been, like, hooked. My, I, I think last service, no one knew what I was talking about, so I was, like, the only person. I'm keeping them in business right here in Lexington all on my own. I took Nick to it the other day. He's like, not that great. But he doesn't know. It's amazing. <laughs> Third, there's, I, I, you know, I've been texting for a while in my life now, and, I've, you know, it's, I'm, I'm okay at it. There are people, like, super fast. I'm not that guy. But I found something new, and it's called a, a GIF. Anyone? Now, I know some of you haters out there are like, it's a gif, Trevor. But I looked it up. You can say it either way. Okay? It's a gif. And these things are amazing. And so what I, what I found is there are these, these motion graphics that you can send to people instead of going through all the trouble of texting words and spelling and stuff. And you can send these things to communicate the emotion that you have at this point in time without having to go through all the trouble of the other. And so if my mom texts me and says, how's your day going? I don't even have to text words back. I can just send something like this. Over and over and over again. It just keeps giving. Now, there are tons of these. Now, I don't know if you know, but this is something you can do on your phone. It's amazing. And my dad has discovered this. And so recently, I've been inundated with as many Jack Black videos from Nacho Libre he could possibly find to send to me. Amen? Yeah. It does an amazing thing because you can express these emotions. You don't even have to spell words or type anything out and you just send it. It's like amazing. Now I realize I'm the last person on the bandwagon, but I'm on that bandwagon now. I've been sending them all morning long and I'd love to see some from you today as well. Now there are all kinds of things in our life, unfortunately, just like this, that, that have been true for a long time, have existed for a long time, have been accessible by a lot of people. But for some reason or another, I've been oblivious. I've never taken full advantage of, I've never enjoyed, never experienced. These are just a few of them, but there are many of them. It's amazing how many of them we don't take full advantage of. You know, in the scriptures, in, in the, there's this Hebrew concept in the Old Testament, and it shows up 300 times, nearly 300 times in the Old Testament alone. And this, this word, this concept is loaded, it is heavy, it is rich, it is thick, and it's used over and over again. And this, this Hebrew word, this concept is the word hesed. Everyone say hesed. This particular Hebrew word, it means kindness and favor. This word hesed, it means a, a loyal love that goes beyond the requirements of duty. It means a loving kindness. It's a favor between one person towards another that's been exemplified by God first and foremost. It's powered by a deep and abiding love. It's an inexhaustible stream that comes directly from God, this has said, this loving kindness that's offered to us. And what we find throughout scriptures is it's offered to everyone. It's accessible by everyone. I've found this kind of in a very small version within my own life only a couple times. 
Um, I have two boys, a five-year-old and a two-year-old, about to be six-year-old, about to be three-year-old. And I spend time with them. There's been, there's been these times where I feel like it's just such pure love and joy that I get to spend with them. They get to, they get to experience that. It just feels just right, you know? But if I'm honest, and if you're a parent in the room, you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. Sometimes I feel like my, my kindness towards them, my love towards them is conditional. You know, they'll, they'll receive it when they do what I want them to do. Or, or if, I, if I just show them kindness in a certain way, then I want them to repay me in some kind of way. That is awful. Just a couple of weeks ago, we took our camper. We have a 16-foot camper that we remodeled. I got it from my grandfather. It's a little scamp. And we drove it down to the beach. We've gone a couple times now. And we've parked it at Pirate Land, like right by the beach, like the last spot you can have before there's a little road and then the beach. And so we, we parked that thing for four of us in there. It's very tight. So you unfold yourself out of there. And then if you just walk across the street, you're boom, right on the beach. And there's all these natural dunes that are beautiful. And usually I'm just chasing a five-year-old and two-year-old to keep them off that. So when we get arrested, go to jail. And then once you actually get them out to the beach, a couple months ago when we were there, they had taken all this sand and pushed it up, this, these artificial dunes right in front of the natural dunes. And so when we went there that one day, I have, I have searched my entire life for shark's teeth. I mean, every time we go to the beach, I'm like looking for shark's teeth. And all my friends are like, oh, look, oh, look. And I'm like, I've never found one, ever. But for some reason, that time we went with this, these artificial dunes, it had rained and there were shells like exposed everywhere. And so my boys and I, we went and jumped on those dunes and searched everywhere. And within all the shells were, guess what? Shark's teeth, like tons of them. I was losing my mind. Like we were so excited. And there was this moment where for a couple hours, me and my boys, we were on top of these dunes looking for shark's teeth, finding them everywhere, crazy looking ones, big ones, small ones, all kinds of stuff, and, and putting them in these, these bottles. And I, I noticed I had this moment where I realized that like I was just enjoying my boys, like really just enjoying them, like taking it in, you know? And they were enjoying their dad. Like it was, it was so pure and it was so right. It just felt so good. And I realized that I don't do that often enough. Or I'm not expecting something back. It's, it's this loving kindness that was coming from me towards them. And it was so beautiful just for a couple hours. And then, of course, you go to dinner and it's like you're yelling again. And it all falls apart. This is, a, this is a small picture of what this word, so loaded and so rich, really has to offer. This word has said, this loving kindness of God that is offered to all people. It, it feels a lot like this. And the crazy thing is there, there are no strings attached to this has said to this love of God. Maybe, maybe if you hear nothing else that I say this morning, I want you to hear this, that, that our God delights over you. He loves you. He doesn't just tolerate you. He's not cosmically frustrated about you. But our God demonstrates this word that it shows up all throughout the Old Testament. This word has said this loving kindness toward you, and it is pure, and it is powerful, and he doesn't need anything in return. It just flows out of his character. It's transformative. It's fulfilling. And guess what? There's no merit and there's no status involved. You can't earn it. It just comes from him. And it's available to all people. It's available to you this morning, no matter who you are, no matter where you come from. But here's what blows my mind. Just like the th three things I mentioned to you this morning, this is available to us. It's real. It's, it exists. It's true. But for the most part, most people that I know never take advantage of it. They never fully experience it. I don't know about you this morning, but I, I want to experience the loving kindness of God in my life. I want to know what it feels like for him to truly love me, to truly give toward me without expecting anything in return. This book of Ruth that we've been studying through, 
Um, we had a great introduction last week. And, and yes, this book is about a man named Elimelech from Judah and his wife, Naomi. And they, they live in, in Israel, but a great famine comes. So they have to flee and they go to Moab to try to survive. And they end up there with their two sons. And, and while they're there, Elimelech dies. And Naomi ends up being a widow in a foreign land. Their two sons, they marry two Moabite women, Orpah and Ruth. And then those sons die. And all of a sudden, the story ends up with Naomi, Orpah, and Ruth, these three widows living in Moab, an Israelite woman and two Moabite women living together. And Grace Marie War, by the way, did an amazing job introducing this last week. Amen. I'm like a really proud friend. Grace Marie killed it last week. And she did such a good job of opening this thing. And this story is about this, yes. But this story, really, the theme that runs throughout the entire book is this theme of hesed. This theme of loving kindness from God. And right there in the middle of their struggle, right there in the middle of their grief, right there in the middle of what they were going through, Naomi, Orpah, and Ruth, they find themselves experiencing and seeing from afar the the loving kindness of God once again. It says this in Ruth chapter 1 verse 6. Naomi, then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord God had blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops once again. So Naomi and her daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab and to return to the homeland. So these women find themselves in this difficult situation, being widowed, living in Moab, when all of a sudden Naomi hears about God doing a work back where she came from, back in Judah. He's provided crops once again. The famine is over. I can't believe the kind of hope that Naomi probably would have had as they were trying to scrape together a living in Moab together. After losing her husband and losing both of her sons and being there with her daughters-in-law all by herself, and now she hears while she's in a foreign land about God doing something great in her homeland, and she decides to return back to Israel. Now, here's what's amazing to me in this passage of Scripture. It takes her no time to debate this at all. She sees God moving, and instantly she says, I'm going back. I'm going to return but Naomi didn't have to go, and there's nothing in Scripture that says that God like made her make this move, that God like prompted her and she couldn't do anything about it. This was a decision that Naomi made on her own to return and to go back to where God was doing work. And as I said before, this has said, this loving kindness of God is available to all people, and it was available to Naomi as well. But sometimes to experience the loving kindness, the hesed of God, it requires us to make some kind of move. It requires us to do something about it. You know, within Scripture, you have these different characters who've encountered God in all of his fullness. And these kind of characters are people like Abraham who risked everything. People like David who obeyed God. People like the disciples who dropped everything to follow Jesus. People like Paul who sacrificed everything. And sometimes for us to be in the place where God is moving within our lives, we first have to move ourselves. We first have to move towards the work that he's doing. And in this story, the Hesed of God prompted Naomi to return back to where she's come from. There have been times in my life where, if I'm really honest, I've looked around at people around me and been like, wow, look at God working in their life. Look at, look at what God is doing. Or this person, look what God is doing here, or this place, look what God is doing here. And if I'm really honest, I've been really frustrated sometimes, being like, God, why aren't you doing it in my life? Like, why, why is it that I'm always looking around, seeing you do great work other places, but it's not happening in my life personally? And I've struggled with that. I know people who have struggled with this. I know students who have struggled with this. But if I were to be true and honest and really self-aware of my own life, most of the time when I feel that way, there is some kind of attitude, some kind of action, some kind of location that I've put myself in that has kept me away from what God could be doing within my life. 
if I'm really honest about it, that's a hard thing to admit. I think for some of us in the room, maybe you're like, God, I want you to work in me. I want you to do a great thing. But truth be told, the way that we're living our life and the attitudes that we hold, we're telling God we can do it on our own. We don't need you. In fact, I don't want you to come in and mess things up, God. And when we do this, we rob ourselves of experiencing, once again, the hesed that is available to all people. When I moved to South Carolina, I came to school and I moved away from Indiana. And um, the trek back to Indiana is a long way, a 12-hour trek. And so I would make this trip all of the time. And sometimes I would, I would do it very wise and I would leave at a proper hour of the day. And sometimes I would leave at like 10 p.m. and drive all the way through. I'm not recommending it, just telling the truth. And if you've ever been in a vehicle by yourself for 12 hours as you drive, um, you begin to experience your brain start to do crazy things. Am I right? When you start losing your mind, you know, and you're driving, you're just seeing the same things. But what I experienced oftentimes driving home was I would experience God begin to speak to me, not audibly necessarily, but God would speak to my heart about certain things that were happening within my life. And as a good college student, I thought I knew everything about life, period. But I remember specifically driving home to Indiana, this 12-hour trek, being somewhere in Tennessee, and God beginning to speak to me about things that were in my life. And honestly, things that I run away from for a long, long time. Because if you're anything like me, when God begins to speak, what do I do? I just get busy so I don't have to hear about it. But when you're stuck in a vehicle and you got nowhere to go, you don't have any choice. So God began to speak to me and, and share things with me that were happening in my life that were really keeping him out of doing great work within my life. I'll never forget, I pulled over in Tennessee somewhere because I had all of a sudden this like huge epiphany and I realized the kind of sin that existed with my life, the kind of things that I was doing and the attitudes that I was holding that was keeping God from doing work within me. And at the exact same time, juxtaposed to that, I had this incredible sense of the kind of loving kindness that God had toward me in the midst of my mess, in the midst of who I was, in the midst of the things that I was struggling with. And I'll be honest with you, I just broke. I'm like in my Azuzu rodeo just bawling my brains out. And here's why. In my heart of hearts, I wanted nothing more than for God to come and do a great work within me. I knew he wanted to. But at the same time, I was wrestling because I had this other part of my life that I wanted to keep as well. And what we see, I think, from Naomi here is if we want to be a part of, of God's great work in our life, if we want to experience in its fullness the said, the loving kindness of God, then sometimes we have to make a move. We've got to do something. And I know for sure there are people in this room this morning that you've been wrestling with. You've had this sense that there's time to move, to do something new, to do something different, to return. But you've fought it over and over and over again. When maybe if we were just like Naomi and decided right away, if God's working, I'm going. If God's moving there, I'm going to be there. And there's all kinds of implications and powerful effects that take place when we make moves like this, when we return like this, when we experience the kindness of God within our life. We read about it in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, one of my favorite passages of Scripture. The writer says this, Don't you see how wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient God is with you? Amen? He is so patient with us. Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness, there's our word again, his kindness, his loving kindness is intended to turn you away from your sin. Some translations say, don't you realize the kindness of God is meant to cause us to repent, to return, to go a different direction. 
This word repentance and turning from our sin is like loaded as well. It looks like this. If I'm living my life and going this direction to experience the kindness of God, I don't experience that and live my life however I want to because, hey, I got the kindness of God. I experience the kindness of God and it causes me to say, you know what? I'm going to stop going this direction. I'm going to turn and go this direction. I'm going to return. I'm going to repent. God is so patient with us. He's so loving and kind towards us. But don't you realize it's so that we might turn and return to him? The said of God should prompt us to return. The loving kindness of God should prompt something within our hearts that would cause us to recognize the ways we've gone far from him and recognize the places that he's working that would cause us to say, no matter what it takes, I'm going to get there because I want God to work in my life as well. No matter where you are today, no matter where you find yourself, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, the loving kindness is yours from God. It's extended to you. He loves you. He is for you. And he wants you to return. He wants you to make a move. So Naomi and Orpah and Ruth decide to go back to Israel. They travel together for a bit of time, but the scripture says that eventually Naomi stops and she speaks to Orpah and Ruth and she says to them, listen, you need to go back to Moab. You have a better chance of making a new life in Moab as a, as a single person than following me to Israel because you're going to be a foreigner in this land now. It'd be better for you to return back to Moab. These women were young, and, and Naomi probably believed they could get married once again and start a new life and, and have, a, have a fresh start. So Naomi has this incredible discussion with them, and she's very forceful in what she's saying. She's like, listen, you need to stay here. You go back to your gods. You go back to your people. You go back to Moab and stay there. I'm going to try to eke out a living going back to Israel because God is doing great things there once again. And after this discussion, you see two different responses from Naomi's daughter-in-laws. The first one from Orpah. The Bible says that she kisses Naomi and then she leaves. And she returns home. And we never hear another thing about Orpah the rest of Scripture. But then you have Ruth's decision And the Bible says that she clings to Naomi. She clings to her. And listen to Ruth's response to Naomi's begging for them to return. In Ruth chapter 1, verse 14 through 16. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die and there I'll be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. And listen to this. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. What Ruth says to Naomi is essentially, I'm willing to give up everything I've ever known to go with you. What is it about Naomi, this experience that Ruth has had with her mother-in-law that would cause her to say, listen, I know I could go back. It's probably a better decision for me, but I'm not. I'm going to cling to you and I'm going to follow you wherever you go. I'm going to give up my gods and your gods are going to become my God. I'm going to give up my people, and your people will become my people. I'm going to give up my land, and your land will now become my land. This is a huge risk that Ruth is taking here. But for some reason, she believes it's the right thing to do, to follow Naomi, to go wherever she goes. And what I love about Ruth is Ruth is stubborn, is she not? She's like, listen, I heard what you said, Naomi, but don't ask me to leave again. I'm going with you. If you have a child, you know what stubbornness looks like, right? Except for all you that have, like, perfect children. So I have a son named Owen, okay? He's two. He's about to be three. And, um, and I know stubbornness because I have him. 
So he, um, we had this cat, this neighborhood cat that's like kind of like gone around the neighborhood and for some reason has decided my home is now its home. And it's outside all the time. And so Owen will go out and he will literally walk on the porch and scream, kitty! And then the kitty just shows up. It's the weirdest thing. And then it'll just like hang out in our yard, kill lizards, drop them on the porch. It's crazy. We have a dead bird right now that my wife has asked me multiple times to get rid of. I'm sorry. But it's, she killed it and left it. It's very nice. And Owen like is just crazy with this cat. My wife is allergic to cats, so that's nice. And um, but Owen, for some reason, is like really mean to this cat. Like, we'll grab it by the tail and like drag it through the yard, grab its ears, and like throw it over his shoulder and just like hike around with him and stuff. And so multiple times we've had to sit down with Owen and be like, listen, Owen, um, kitties are very fragile. You need to be nice to kitty. And every time we have this discussion, I don't know what's going on. His response is the exact same. It's this, but I wub doing dat. Every time, like, no, Owen, you can't do this thing, but I love doing that. I'm like, okay, but I'm asking you not to. I mean, he's super stubborn. He gets it from his mother. Um, just kidding. But this stubbornness, this is the thing that you love about Ruth within the story. Ruth is like, listen, I know what you're asking me to do, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to go with you. I'm going to go wherever you go. In fact, I'm going to die where you die. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. There's something within Ruth that realizes if she sticks with Naomi, it's a better decision for her to make. She realizes that sticking with Naomi is going to take her places, that staying in Moab is not going to take her. I wish more of us had these kind of stubborn attitudes when it comes to the people that exist within our life that will keep us moving towards the movement of God. Because for some of us, and I work with young adults every single day, every single week, and I love young adults, but they drive me crazy. Because a young adult will find a group of people who love Jesus and are going towards Jesus. And they're like, I'll kind of hang here for a little bit. And within a month, they found something else of interest. They've moved on. Don't. Stay stubborn about this. I've sat over lunch talking with a student. It's like, man, I, just don't, I can't find anybody that loves you. Yes, you can. And when you find them, you better grab a hold of them and spend time with them every minute of the day. Because if you hit your wagon to those people, they're going to take you places that, that you want to go. As opposed to hitching your wagon to other places and going places you don't want to go. I can't tell you how many times in my life I've woken up at some point in time and looked around like, how in the world did I get here? I never meant to be here. And if I'm honest, if I look at the decision I've made and the people I've associated myself with, it explains the entire path. I mean, for some of us here this morning, you need to hear the first thing that we learned from this book, and that is this. If you want to experience the said, the loving kindness of God, then maybe you need to make a move to return, to repent, but for some of us this morning, maybe you need to take a long look at the people you're choosing to associate with. Are there people around you who love Jesus and want to be a part of what Jesus is doing? And I would recommend that you do whatever you can do to spend time with those people. To be around those people. This one decision that Ruth makes to follow Naomi wherever she goes changes everything for her. Absolutely everything. There, there are friends that I have in my life right now who I know love the Lord with all of their hearts. There are some guys in this church that I'm so thankful for. But I've had to get really tenacious and real stubborn about spending time with them. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. Again, I have two kids. So if I want to spend time with my friend Nick, guess what we have to do? Go to a movie at like 11 p.m. I realize it's not ideal, but in some ways it is because the children are asleep and I'm not going to get um, you know, a bad look for my wife. So Nick and I, we will go see a movie at 11 p.m., no problem, because we actually get to spend time together. The other day at lunch, I sat down with one of my friends, and we talked about the ways God's working in our lives and the ways we can love our wives better, love our, love our students better. I can think of all kinds of things I could do with my time besides that, but it's so important to me. I've got to do it. 
I want to find the people in my life and who surround me who I believe are moving towards the movement of God, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to spend time with them because I believe it's that important. Ruth does this with Naomi. I'm not going back, Naomi. I'm sticking with you. Wherever you go, that's where I'm going to go. And Ruth actually does something in return for Naomi. She gives loving kindness towards her. The word is used there as well. The said of Ruth changes the entire trajectory of her life. The loving kindness that Ruth shows towards Naomi changes the trajectory of her life. So Naomi and Ruth, they go back to Israel together, and they end up in Judah at a time that is the barley harvest. Now, when you're a widow from a foreign land, and you're an Israelite and a Moabite woman, it's not really easy to just roll into Israel and get a job and make things happen. This is a really bad situation for them. To to feed and to provide for them, Ruth decides she's going to go out to some of these fields and begin to glean some of the grain that's left behind. This is a Jewish tradition to take care of people who are poor, people who are foreigners or refugees. They'd be able to come to these places and and gather food to survive. So this is exactly what Ruth does. She tells Naomi, I'm going to go and I'm going to provide for us. I'm going to do whatever I can to make this, this new life happen. So she travels and she's in the field. She's gleaning in the field when all of a sudden she catches an eye of a man named Boaz. Everyone say Boaz. This guy, Boaz, he's rich. He's successful. He owns a lot of land, and she happens to stumble into this field that Boaz owns. Now, a couple things you need to understand. Boaz right away is interested in Ruth. She must have been a looker. So she's going through, gleaning through the field, and Boaz notices her right away, has a conversation with some people. He's like, hey, who's the new girl? I know none of y'all in the room has ever done this before, right? Who's Who's the new girl? And he's like instantly ready to bring a note that's like, hey, do you like me? Check yes or no. Like he's ready to to do this. And so he has this discussion with a couple of people. They, they let him in on who she is. And this beautiful discussion, the first discussion between Boaz and Ruth takes place here. And Nick's going to come and flush this out a little bit more later on. But Boaz has this discussion with, with Ruth. And it goes like this in chapter two. He says some nice things to Ruth. And Ruth says, she fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such what? Kindness. There's our word again. What have I done to deserve such kindness from you? She asked. I'm only a foreigner. Boaz says, yes, I know. But I also know about everything that you have done for your mother-in-law, the kindness you've shown toward her since the death of her husband. I've heard how you left your father and your mother in your own land to live here in Israel among complete strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. This one seemingly insignificant decision that Ruth makes to follow Naomi to Israel changes everything about her life. She encounters this man, Boaz, by accident, stumbling into this field, but by the sovereignty of God, this man becomes very significant to her. They end up getting married, and eventually, within Scripture, you never hear the word Orpah again, but what you do hear is the word Ruth, because she, one, has a book that we're reading about and studying through right now, and two, she ends up in the line and lineage of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. You could trace it back to one seemingly insignificant small decision to stay committed and dedicated to her mother-in-law, to show loving kindness towards her, but that one decision changed the trajectory of her complete and total life. She goes from being a widow in Moab to a wife in Israel and eventually in the line of Jesus. I remember when I moved to South Carolina and I started going to CIU, I had this really fuzzy but very strong feeling that God had a call on my life. 
to, to reach students, to make a difference for his kingdom. And I, that's all I knew. I was going to do whatever it took to do that. So when I ended up at CIU, I met this guy named David Olshine. Some of y'all may know Olshine. He's a professor at CIU. And when I met him at first, I'm like, we're never going to get along. But we started hanging out a little bit here and there. And I realized pretty quickly that if, if I were to spend time with him, I just believed that God was going to do something in my life that was going to change everything. I just had this sense that he was going to be able to show me what it looked like to experience the loving kindness of God like I never have in my life before. So I'll never forget going up to him and I just said, hey, listen, this might be a little creepy. I, I just want to hang out with you. So when you go speak someplace, I want to go with you. I want to do lunch with you like once a week. Can we do that? And I'm sure he was like, listen, chill out, bro. But I was like, listen, I, whatever it takes, I want to spend time with you. I want to do what you do. I want to know what you know. I just had this sense that this guy knew what it was like to live into the work and the will of God in his life. And all I knew was I wanted to do the same. And so I decided long ago that was exactly what I was going to do. And to be honest with you, that one decision to invest my life into a relationship with David Olshine has changed my life. And in fact, it's the reason I'm doing what I'm doing today is because that one relationship. I'm convinced of this. There is a very strong correlation between those that we associate with and the favor of God within our life. There are some of us in the room this morning who you've chosen amazing relationships through a small group here at Mount Horb or an accountability group or just through friendships in your neighborhood and you're recognizing that because of those friendships, God is doing great things in your life. But there are also some of us in this room potentially who have, who have hitched our wagons to folks who are not about the things of God. You may have found yourself in places doing things, having conversations and attitudes you never wanted to have. You don't know how you got here. I think it has everything to do with the people that we choose to surround ourselves with and to associate with. So wherever you find yourself today, whether it's positive, whether it's negative, it didn't happen by chance. Wherever you find yourself today, whatever, whatever location you find yourself today, it didn't happen by chance. It's been, a, it's been a steady stream of little decisions that you've made to get here today. Wherever Naomi ended up, wherever Ruth ended up, it didn't happen by chance. It happened by making the next right choice all along the way until God could use them and God would work within them. And the best news is this. Today when you leave here, you can make new choices and little steps to place yourself into a location where God will do work within your life that you've never dreamed of. I think it starts in these two, two areas that Ruth and Naomi experienced. Number one, where you see God at work, you do whatever you can to make a move towards that. And secondly, when you find people that are doing the same, you spend time with those folks. You associate with them, you hit your wagon to them and find out where God will take you. There are two responses that I want to offer today that I think are really, really important. And the first one is this. I want you to ask yourself the question, what move do I need to make today to experience the said, the loving kindness of God, maybe on a level I've never had before in my life? What move do I need to make? What, what way do I need to repent? What way do I need to turn? And then secondly, who do you need to associate or disassociate with to experience the loving kindness of God? Maybe there's that person that you know within your life. It's kind of a bit of a peripheral friend, but you've seen great things in their life and you just know you need to go and say, hey, listen, that might be a little creepy, but can we hang out? Can we spend time together? If you're a student in the room, I encourage you, find someone that you want to invest in your life and just say, hey, listen, would you mentor me? Would you help me to learn how to do the things that you do? 
Would you show me what it looks like to live a godly life, to be a godly wife, a godly husband? I want to learn. These two decisions could transform your life, could change the trajectory of your life. I want to pray for you this morning for that. Let's bow and pray together. Jesus, I'm so grateful, first and foremost, for your loving kindness towards us. God, it is so evident as I live my life that you are constantly pouring out, God, looking for nothing in return. In fact, when Jesus went to the cross, gave up his life for us that we might know life, real life, he knew he may get nothing in return. And Father, I thank you for that sacrifice and that offer that you've given us. And for every single person here this morning, and for myself included, God, I want to experience your love in my life like I never have before. So God, I pray you would speak to my heart and show me the places, God, I need to return, the places I need to move. And show me, God, the people in my life that you have placed there, that you want me to invest in because it'll be the best outcome for me and for the other person. With our heads bowed this morning, I just feel like it's proper for us to actually make a move as we've been talking about this. And if this morning you feel like God's asking you to do something, to make a change, to make a return within your life, I'm just going to ask you to put your hand in the air so I can pray for you this morning, just boldly, stubbornly. Just put your hand in the air. And if this morning you, you just get this sense that there's somebody in your life that you want, that God wants you to invest in, to, to hit your wagon to them because God knows that'll take you places that you've never been before, I just want you to raise your hand as well. There's someone you need to associate with that's going to take you places that you might experience the love of God. Father, I pray for every person in this room this morning who has indicated, God, a raise of hands that they want you to work and they want you to move. I pray, Father, that as they leave here, they wouldn't instantly begin to think about Moe's or something else. God, I pray that they would recognize that you have worked in their hearts this morning. I pray that they would do their due diligence, God, to make the change, to, to make the phone call, to, to text that person and to return to you. And I pray, God, because of their obedience, that you would do a great work within their life. Lord, we love you this morning. We need you this morning. I pray, God, we be people like Ruth who are tenacious and stubborn about experiencing your loving kindness within our life. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Let's stand and worship this morning as a response to what God has done this morning.